Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One for All, that weekly show, or bi-weekly show now. Well, yeah. <laughs> we try. <laughs> it's some sort of weekly show where we rewatch and review the anime My Hero Academia. As always, I am your host, Annabeth, and I am here joined by my other wonderful co-host, Nancy. And we are back to the the regular the regular old season standard. Mm-hmm. The last two episodes, we've been investigating the larger trends and ideas behind the series. But now we're back for the second half of season four, specifically in episode 15, Smoldering Flames. And with a new laptop. Ta-da! You may have or have not picked up on this, but the last several episodes, the old laptop would do fun things like freeze during recording. So... I have, during uh, the editing, had to cut out pieces of things that we have said because the audio has been lost. So hopefully that won't happen anymore. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we're we're really excited for Nancy to have a new laptop because she does all of her work on this laptop. And it oh, was yeah. it's very stressful if it were to break. So here is to new technological beginnings and their frustrating mice. I'll get used to it. It's just the old laptop was, you know, a good five, six years old and mice are different now. And also you don't get as many USB ports. Why? Jerks. But yeah, I cannot believe that you got like six years out of your laptop. I'm really impressed with that, actually, especially considering when I bought it, it was like, you know, one of the cheapest laptops at Stables because I did not have much money at the time. So I'm really impressed. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Do you remember anything about this episode? I will admit, I remember quite a bit about this larger arc, including the very problematic parts, um, but not so much about these opening episodes. Yeah, before we're going, there's going to be like a a, a major arc that's going to take up most of the second half of season four. And a musical number. Yes, and a musical number, taking up most second half of season four. But before we get into that, we actually need to catch up with some side characters that we haven't really seen for most of season four. So we're going to have a few episodes that touch on them. And I remember like, like these are definitely not the most like joyous and like impactful episodes plot wise to the greater plot, but they're good. Like I remember enjoying all of them. So I'm excited to watch them. Well, let's go watch them then. Or this one at least. Yes. We'll see you soon. All right, and we are back. And it it is a little jarring, to be honest, because we get the recap of Shigaraki, like, melting Overhaul's hands. Yeah, it is quite jarring. But if if you think about it, it is something very important that happened last episode. And we don't really address it too much for the rest of the episode. So I guess they want to make sure if, if you happened to miss last week, by the way... League of Villains did something pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, they, they've done something a pretty bad. But what's jarring about it isn't the scene itself, which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. It is the very upbeat new opening that happens immediately after it. It's like, who's the king now? Yeah! <laughs> and it's like, what? And it, this opening, I think it will make sense, especially after watching this episode and as you get more into this arc, because this particular arc, Unlike the first arc, as we're as we'll come to see, is not about taking out the big bad guy. It is not a dark, 
serious arc about like, you know, the big threat or anything like that. So it makes sense that the opening, which heavily features Jiro, interestingly enough, is going to have a very different feel to it. I also really love the, the song for it. It's really well done. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, you know, right from the get-go, this is going to be a different kind of arc. And we are due for our school arc, which mm-hmm. we didn't have yet this season. So this is going to be it. Yeah, the, the My Hero Academia is taken very literally. The first half of the show is My Hero. The second half is Academia. <laughs> um, but then we come back, not not directly to our students, but to... Grand Torino, of all people. What is he doing? He and Sukauchi are in a car. Yes, and they are heading into the mountains where Kirigiri, um, a League of Villains member that we haven't seen as much of this season, is said to be hiding out. Yeah, there's an interesting conversation here, too, where Grand Torino mentions how Kirigiri, he's a slippery guy, um, but he's been seen four times, which mm-hmm. seems weird. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, they're not just going to let a criminal go free. So, you know, this next scene sort of opens with Gran Torino flying in with super speed and tackling Kurogiri like it's nothing. I think what's really interesting about this scene is if you listen to the soundtrack, it changes here and it sounds more like a a cowboy or a desperado, Mm -hmm. Wild West, like sheriff uh, in a lawless frontier kind Mm -hmm. of music, which I think is fascinating. It's appropriate for Gran Torino. Um, they brought Gran Torino specifically because Kurogiri is so fast yes. and he can teleport away. But Gran Torino, the old, old man, is faster. He also bitches about them making him work so hard since he's supposed to be retired. Yes, which he probably has the right to do that. Um, but we learn um, once Kurogiri is thoroughly pinned that he's perhaps not alone. There is a wild man in the woods. A wild man, quote, uh, and... All for one's great subordinate, the giant naked man, is here. Gigantomachia. And it's going to be a bad time. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that as Gigantomachia is introduced, they reference All for One specifically in the fact that he was so good at seeing the future. And he predicted, like, you know, if there was going to be a time that I die, you want to depend on this big guy. And he is huge. He is huge. He wears nothing except for a loudspeaker around his neck. You know, I bet it's really hard when you are that big to, like, shop at the Gap. Like, where are you going to buy jeans? Where are you going to buy sweatshirts? Seriously. All he could get was loudspeaker bling. Exactly. So that's what he goes with, and we're just going to have to accept that. And we're not going to tell you what happens in this scene. No, it sort of cuts away and it leaves you in suspense for a, a big chunk of the episode, actually. Um, because this episode isn't really about the action. This episode is about the after effects. Um, so I guess it makes sense that the next place we end up going is the hospital. Yeah, Deku's getting ready to check on out, but not before he hears the news that the League of Villains attacked uh, Overhaul's police transport, killed mm-hmm. a hero, and stole the goods. And he feels exceptionally mortified about this, to which a razor head's like, yo, kid, it ain't your fault. Yeah. And... Uh... Eraserhead's only like in a few moments in this episode, but he does a good job. He says good things whenever he's there. Um, He also gives us the necessary information um, that pretty much all of the students are going to be heading right back to school. They've all been nice and healed up, um, except for Mirio. And beyond students, Eri is still in a pretty rough spot, and she isn't up for seeing people right now. But Deku, he wants to visit Mirio before he goes 
Yep. And Mirio is in wonderful spirits. He opens the door and he's like on his shoulders, basically. He's doing like a weird sort of like quasi yoga athletic like move. Maybe. I don't know. He's he is um, a lot more cheerful than Deku was expecting, clearly. Yeah, they have an interesting talk where, you know, Mario is like, I know that I should be a lot sadder at the moment, but you know what? Like, you didn't get a lot of this, but my teacher, Night Eye, was a lot more smiley than you know, and he was a really positive guy, and he, you know, I I need to stay positive. Mm-hmm. And he also, he doesn't want Ari to feel bad, too. Um, I think it's good that there's sort of, one thing that... The, happens throughout the rest of the show is often Mirio and Aerie will you'll see they'll show up kind of as a pair and I think it's interesting that they're sort of you know continue sort of lay the groundwork for that. Mirio is this relentlessly optimistic character and it's something I really love about him yeah because I struggle to be like relentlessly optimistic in my life and I really appreciate the fact that nothing gets this guy down. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he gets sad. We saw him get sad last episode, but he's able to bounce back very well, which is, is really impressive. You know who doesn't bounce back well? Deku. Deku. No, um, he, you know, he's sitting here and he's looking at Mirio and he's thinking about how hard that Mirio worked to protect Eri, even, you know, when he has, he has no powers now, but he didn't let that dampen him. And he starts to think about the fact that, you know, Mirio was supposed to be the successor for... One for all. And maybe he should have been. Yeah, if he had had one for all. Like, we talked about this even Mm -hmm. in the episodes. He would have laid Overhaul out in that first hit. Mm -hmm. And it would have been done. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Deku's like, you know, maybe if Mirio was a successor and not me, maybe Night Eye would not have died. And maybe All Might can be saved. Um, like he, so he even like has this moment and like, Hey, you know, uh, if I could give you my quirk, would you take it basically? Which is a very strange question, but Mirio takes it in stride. He's sort of like, no, I wouldn't take it. It's <laughs> like, like, even if you could do that, wouldn't mm-hmm. that cause you trouble? Like mm-hmm. you did a good job. Like people rely on you. You're Deku the hero. And besides like Eraserhead told me that when Aerie can control her power a little more, there might be a possibility that I can get my own powers back. So you know, Night Eye said I would become a hero like any other, and I'm going to trust what he saw. Which is a lovely way to end up leaving him for this episode. Um, so Deku ends up leaving. He ends up leaving. Not you know, before he, All Might overhears him. Oh, that's true. I forgot about well, that part. It's an important little note. Yeah. But yes, then after All Might hears him, uh, Deku and Kirishima end up leaving the hospital. But they sort of get railroaded by the police because, you know, they were still part of this giant events and they do need to go and let them know what was up and we also get another little aside to the school where we see bakugo and todoroki rushing off to their provisional licensing classes just to remind you that there's still characters on this show yeah because we haven't seen them in like what at least 10 episodes (laughs) it's been a while in the late evening, everyone comes home to the dorms, and everybody is so worried about them. Oh, yeah. they Everyone in Class A completely rushes, not just Deku and Karishima, but also Ochako and Sue, who are all back now um, from the hospital and from filling out paperwork and talking to the police and stuff like that. And they're just completely overwhelmed with people in the class wanting to know what was up. They heard the news, being so concerned about them. Um, and it's a lot. And then Tenya arrives. And Tenya, as always, is also a lot. <laughs> but he definitely 
has his friend's best interests in mind. Initially, he's like, everybody needs to chill. Like, they've been through a lot, and we need to give them some time. But, you know, Deku just has a moment reflecting on Mirio and how positive Mirio was and looking mm-hmm. forward and smiling for the sake of others. And he's like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And then Tenya's like, oh, my God, I was so worried about you. Yeah, I think it's a nice moment. Like, you see when Tenya's, like, defending them and everything like that. Like, don't get me wrong, it is a lot. <laughs> um, but he's remembering, like, how overwhelmed Deku was in the middle of all of this. And now he has been through even more. And so he wants to make sure that, like, people are keeping in mind that these people have been through a lot so like psychologically. And it's going to leave an impact on them, like, emotionally. Which is an incredibly important theme for this the entire back half of the season. Yeah. Um, and we actually see that, you know, illustrated... In like a mini flashback from Ochako, when she remembers talking to Eraserhead um, after all this. During and, the debrief. Yeah. And basically saying, you know, I held Night Eye in my hands. I mean, was there something I could have done to save him? Like, there's clearly a lot of guilt there. And Eraserhead was like, no, I mean, that's our responsibility. There, You do not have to feel bad about that. Thank you, Eraserhead. But you could tell that it hasn't really set well with her. No. Uh, it's clearly a very emotional little flashback for her, uh, to the point that Sue really isn't sure what to say about it. Um, the rest of the class checks in with various people. Karishima mentions that he's not okay, but he's getting there. Mm -hmm. There's a great scene where, um, what's his name? Shiro, um, comes over and like grabs him and then pokes his eye out by accident on Karishima's (laughs) hair. Um, there's chocolate cake there. There's a bunny rabbit. And any scene that involves a cute bunny rabbit is great as far as I know. I really like that they had Ashido, they had Mina Mm -hmm. check on Karishima because now we know that they have like backstory from before UA. I thought that was a nice touch. Bakugo wants nothing to do with any of this. Yeah, it is interesting though because the fact that he did show up indicates that he cares on at least some level, even if he's shit at showing it. But he says, you know, basically I have shit to do tomorrow. I got to go. And Todoroki is also there and he's like, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but I also need to go to bed too because they have their licensing training the next day. Yes. Also, as a point of note, at some point in this exchange, Todoroki had to leave because he got a phone call mm-hmm. and he seems pissy about it. Yeah, we'll find out about that in a little bit. Before we move on, I do want to comment on the fact that in this scene, both Todoroki and Bakugo are wearing black um, and the rest of the cast are dressed a little more normally. Um, and the fact that they are in such stark colors, you know, shows to sort of visually set them apart from everyone else. Um, and which makes sense because they sort of have their own little journey to go on for the next few episodes. So they are apart from everyone else. Um, but also shows how they are in a different mental state than everyone else that is there. Yeah, that's a really great observation. I didn't really think about that. I was thinking that Todoroki looked really nice. Yeah, he looks great. looked in his fancy clothes. Um, but yeah, everybody goes to bed a little early tonight and most of the rest of this episode, not all of it, is Deku and the students reflecting on what has happened and we get a mini montage Mm -hmm. of the events, uh, and the big emotional moments of this arc. Yeah. Normally when I see like superfluous flashbacks in these episodes that are, are really more transitions, I'm like, oh, that's padding. But not really this time. Like, I feel like 
it really drives home that the fact that the important thing that is going to happen in the back half of the show is that everyone has been through a lot and everyone is impacted by that. And it is going to take some time for them to work through it all in their own way. And I really, really appreciate the fact that this show is doing this because I feel like when it comes to a lot of anime, especially like it's just sometimes just traumatic event after traumatic event after traumatic event. And they very rarely really linger over how much it is going to impact the characters on an emotional level. And this show not only does it, but it spends half of a season doing it, which is really nice, actually. Yeah, I think this is really well done. And I thought this was going to be the end of the episode. It Mm -hmm. felt like the moment that the episode would end on, but it's not. We actually get the start of the provisional licensing exam in the morning with Bakugo and Todoroki arguing as they go to head off. Yes. And, you know, Bakugo is still has this, you know, obsession with power levels in his head. Like he doesn't even like the idea of Todoroki walking in front of him like it bothers him so much. Um, but they are a little caught off guard because they arrive and the teachers they were expecting are not the ones that are going to escort them to their training. Yep, it is actually present Mike, the ever excitable teacher from UA and All Might. Yes, I know I say this whenever present Mike shows up, but I love present Mike. <laughs> he is just so cheerful and loud and wonderful. And I feel like the show has a really good sense for how often to use him, because if he was in every episode, that would be a bit much. But he's used just enough, so whenever he shows up, I am so happy. They basically explain that because of the League of Villains, they're taking extra precautions. The two of them are are being escorted to the provisional licensing exam on a bus. Eraserhead's helping out with Ari today. Yes, that is also an important note, just in case she tries to, you know, zap someone into the past. Yeah, we need someone that can erase people's powers. Um, and during sort of this exchange, we also get like a bit of a, I guess, a flashback with All Might where we get the resolution to the, the opener with Gigantomachia, where we learn that Gran Torino did manage to get Kurogiri, did not manage to get, to get Gigantomachia. Looks like Sakauchi may have been injured in the fight, and it looks like they took a chunk out of the mountain in the process. So that seems like a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I think this scene is interesting because... Grand Torino is like, we had to make a choice on what we were going to do. And I'm thinking to myself, I feel like you're lucky you got out alive, yeah. old man. <laughs> He's like, the scene we get of him is like him holding Korgiri in one arm and an unconscious, like, bleeding Sakauchi in the other. And I'm like, good lord. As if you thought you could go fight a giant one-on-one. Needed to bring a little little more backup there, yes. I think. Um, admittedly, it seems like Gigantomachia was a bit of a surprise for them. Um, but yeah, they probably should have bought a backup anyways, just for Kirogiri, because we know he's no joke. But, you know, All Might gets back to the present, and he reflects that uh, the training is going to be tough today. And you might think from that initial, like, this big chunk of the episode that's been focused on Kirogiri and Gigantomachia and Gran Torino, that they're going to be important for the rest of the season. You're not going to see this resolved for a long ass time until I would say halfway through season five. So, in fact, it took so long that when we circle back around to this plot line in season five, I'm like, wait a minute. Why is what's going on with Kurokiri? So remember it, please. <laughs> yeah, just note that in the back yeah. of your head in about 25 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> they'll get back to this. 
Um, at the provisional licensing exam, Endeavor is there. He's who called Shoto yesterday and was like, I'm going to come watch you. Ha, 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 ha. And she had, she, oh my God. Um, Todoroki has this expression on his face like, oh, this fucking asshole. He hangs up on him. Yeah, he is, he is not happy at all about this. And Endeavor is here being his asshole self. He addresses All Might as the previous number one hero or something like that. And just the way that they choose to bring him into the storyline you immediately want to punch him in the face. It's true. Yeah. They they do a lot of work with Endeavor coming up, and it's difficult sometimes for me to remember that this is how I'm I my was my introduction to him through all of seasons one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Is huge asshole. Yeah. And uh it definitely makes present Mike feel a little awkward. You could tell from his expression as like, you know, like, you know, all all might and Endeavor are interacting. And here's President Mike, who we know is, you know, a, a seriously strong hero, but he's not number one or number two or anything like that. This is like, like power plays far beyond him. And he's like, maybe I should get coffee. Yeah. And then he leaves. And then he leaves, which <laughs> I probably would have done too. <laughs> All the students who failed the exam end up meeting up here. So we see uh, Bakugo and Todoroki, obviously. We see As- Asana. Uh, mm-hmm. The wind dude. Maybe the tornadoes and Cammy, who we thought may have been dead, dead. <laughs> because she was last replaced by Himiko um, with her shape shifting powers. And we also see Seiji, who is the asshole that turns people into meat. Yeah, Bakugo calls him meat. Yes. Good job, Bakugo. Which is funny. Seiji is not participating because he failed the first exam, but he is here observing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to, interesting to point out that Cammy kind of hits. On Todoroki, she like asks for his number. She calls him hot. She says he's a thoroughbred because he's Endeavor's son, which is weird, or purebred or something like that. So Todoroki takes it well. I'm, I'm sure he gets it a lot, but not really appropriate. <laughs> Asana, Anasa, I can't remember. He is complimenting Kami on how bold she is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I mean, Todoroki's not interested in her. No. Not. Not at all. Nope, it's not a thing. But that is pretty much the end of the episode. We get one last scene with the test examiner who's tired all the time. Mm-hmm. And gang Orca being like, let's kick it up a notch. Yeah, like, oh, these guys are pretty serious. So I guess we have to get more serious. And we had All Might already saying it was going to be a tough day. So it definitely leaves you into suspense for what you think is going to happen for the rest of the episodes. And that's it. That's did, it. Did you like this episode? I actually do. I feel like whenever we come to an episode like this, I'm like, well, this episode is more of a bridge than a destination. It's more to get us to the, where we need to go. But I actually had a good time with this one. I felt like it was pretty enjoyable. Um, they did a good job sort of laying the groundwork for what the rest of the season is going to be about. We reintroduced all the Class 1A characters that I have missed so much. Haven't shown up in a while. And yeah, they sort of, you know, give us an idea of what's going to be happening to Todoroki and Bakugo. I'm good with it. What about you? Yeah, I enjoyed this. I I really like that this show is taking a moment, more than one moment, to really gauge the emotional impact of loss and failure. Mm-hmm. Because like on the whole, the last arc, they succeeded. They got airy, but it wasn't for free. No, not at all. And, like, they really want you to know it on the show. Like, even the ending theme, which is one of my favorite ending themes, actually. Like, they have a lot of pictures of characters that we haven't met yet um, when they were sort of young and in their school days. Um, And they also have a lot of images of 
class 1A, everyone kind of looking at their phone at night and being stressed, um, which I'm sure everyone can relate to. <laughs> um, like, they really want you to know that this is going to be an arc about recovery, which is a, you know, beautifully, wonderfully timed during the pandemic, I feel like. And, but yeah, I, I feel... Like I mentioned earlier, I really appreciate the fact that they're going into that this much. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's been a good arc. Good stuff. Do you have a plus ultra character of the week? I'm going to give it to Mirio for being undauntingly positive mm-hmm. um, and not really giving up in the face of what has to be absolutely crushing. Yeah. The loss of his mentor, the loss of his powers, the it would be very easy for him to feel like his dream is over Mm -hmm. and what is he going to do with his life he's almost through high school yeah and natural i would argue like if he were to feel that way and to be sad and defeated i would not think any lesser of him for it um but the fact that he wants to soldier on and he still he doesn't want to give up on his dreams is really admirable um i agree with you but because you picked him and i want to split the vote a bit i'm going to give it to gran torino for not dying while fighting a giant the old man is fast. Yes. <laughs> so fast. And I, I am a big Gran Torino fan, so I do love whenever he gets to show up. Awesome. Well, that is it for the episode. If you want to talk to us about how this episode made you feel, how seeing characters get to reflect on their growth, development, failures, and and grief matters to you, you can do so over on Twitter, I am at Incidentally Anna. The show is at One for All Cast. I think Nancy's actually taking a break from Twitter right now, though. Just a temporary break. Um, I will be back um, in November during NaNo. Um, But you guys, Twitter is not a good place, especially if you're like me and you like to go on Twitter and discuss media. (laughs) There's a lot of negativity there right now. And I'm like, I think I need to take a step back from said negativity. So you may not see me as often. I will be back in November. But I, I think I'm going to start curating what I watch a little more for as far as uh, other accounts and tweets. So, yeah. Do you have any news on the book front? Yes. Um, I have now two books out in my Twin Kingdom series. And by the beginning of December, I will have a third one out, which is bananas. <laughs> um, the Wayward Tower is the third novella in my Twin Kingdom series of fairy tale retellings. This one retells... Rapunzel. And I was very fortunate while I was writing it because I discovered during the beta reading stage that one of my beta readers for many years had ankle length hair. So I got a level of realism uh, is that you don't normally get in fairy tale retellings. <laughs> That's really funny. It's a small world, right? Mm-hmm. And lastly, thank thank you all for listening. I know that we've been doing a couple different things the last few episodes and we appreciate you still sticking around but we're here now and we are locked into the latter half of season four we hope you're going to enjoy it a very special thank you of course to richard DeCosta for our opening and ending credits and the ultimate thank you to nancy for joining me every week to discuss mha you're welcome we will see you next time for season four episode 16 win those kids hearts we'll see you then see you then